Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chalk Talk. I am your host, Taylor Davis, joined, as always, by the wonderful McKenna Kelly. And we are here to talk all things gymnastics. We break down the NCAA and the elite world. So today, of course, we are talking about the results from the World Championship. And we'll also be talking about the new regional format that was approved last year in the college world and certainly made a splash. So we know it will continue to make a huge difference in the college field. So we are excited that you have joined us for another episode. McKenna, catch me up. How's your week been since we last talked? My week's been really good. It's kind of been down um, a little bit. So it's been nice to kind of just work from home and kind of get some of those emails done. So it's been difficult. It's been tough. I've had a lot of downtime um, in the mix of all of this. So that's been really hard, but I've been getting to know myself. I'm sure that's something that a ton of college athletes can relate to, especially a sport like gymnastics, where you literally devote your entire life to it. And it is so disciplined and so structured and you kind of schedule your life around your, your training schedule and your competitions and even your nutrition plays into it. So that's interesting that I feel like a lot of athletes kind of have to go through that transition when you finish your sport. How has it been to kind of adjust to life without gymnastics? Yeah, actually, that's a really good way to put it. Um, But I think I was lucky enough my junior year when I tore my Achilles, I kind of had to step back. I didn't have my sport that that year. So um, for me, I got to kind of figure out who I was, what I liked doing outside of the sport um, before graduating. I know that has been such a hard transition. It just is in general for any college graduate, um, getting out into the real world and trying to figure out those things. So, you know, you don't grow in your comfort zone. So but it's been good. Yeah, that's always just so interesting to me to kind of hear it from an athlete's perspective because you've you've never known your life without that sport and literally overnight. It, it's not gradual. You one day are a collegiate gymnast and the next day you're not. So it's it's really an abrupt change, but I'm sure all the gymnasts listening can relate. So uh, McKenna's there with you people. Well, we are definitely going to start talking. Let's start with the elite world because obviously the big storyline that we have all been paying attention to has been the world championships and team at USA, no surprise here, walks away with the win. And this win is a record-tying consecutive fifth win. It really continues to blow my mind. Like, obviously, we look at these individual gymnasts and we know the abilities that they have. But McKenna, you know as well as anybody, it's all about what you do on competition day in that exact moment. We have said so many times, gymnastics is not about your resume. You, it's about how you do at that given moment. So the fact that this team went out there and got the win in such a convincing fashion, almost six full points ahead of second place Russia. I mean, it just goes to show the advanced skills that these girls are executing very, very well. Most definitely. I mean, and that's what's crazy. If you look at the standings, USA finished with a 172.33 
following in the second place of Russia, 166.529. I mean, the gap between that, it's it's insane. And if you look around, USA didn't even compete their best. And Simone even said so herself, her goal was to go out there and just compete well. She didn't want to do great. Um, and I think that's a good mindset to have, especially in kind of your first mock Olympic Games. I mean, that's what's so important about the World Championship is one, you're setting the stage, you're setting yourself up for not only competition, but judges to see Who's going to come out on top? What are the rankings looking like? And for those girls to come out and do that the way they did with not even doing their best, it, it's just a, t- a testimony of, of what's to come and um, looking towards Tokyo. This was not a perfect performance by Team USA. There were a couple right. errors. Sunisa Lee fell off the beam. Grace McCallum had an issue um, in her pirouette on bars. So there there were issues and there were errors, which is even more crazy to think about. Even without their best, they were almost six full points ahead of the second place team. Like that is so comforting when you think about what this team could accomplish in the Olympics to know that you have that cushion that even if we are not performing at our absolute best, which of course they will strive to do it on the Olympic stage, but If anyone has those errors, which are absolutely inevitable in the world of gymnastics, there is so much talent and skill on this team that they still will have the ability to walk away with the gold. 100%. They absolutely will. Um, And to me, you know, I wonder, is that, is there pressure in that to, to almost outperform at such a level? Or are they going in with the mindset, like just, just do our job and we're going to come out on top regardless, you know, those are things to think about too. But, but like you and I have both touched on the fact that they did not compete their best is just a testimony to what they can do. And, and you look at even our alternates, Morgan Hurd, who wasn't, who didn't make the world championship team. And you have Michaela Skinner, who was right there of actually making the team that just goes to show what could happen in a year? Who knows? And especially just considering we have girls who are just as qualified to, to make that Tokyo team, potentially. Gosh, absolutely. My hats are off to them. I mean, we know the athleticism that it is within these girls, but the mental toughness, especially when you take into consideration, these girls, half of them are like 16, 17, like their life experience is limited. And yet they are some of the toughest athletes in the world. Isn't that nuts? 16 years old. You know, most 16-year-olds are getting ready for homecoming or getting their license, and these girls are like, no, I'm going to the Olympics. Why? What's up? It's crazy. My 16-year-old self was just trying to operate a car effectively, and these girls are representing their country, flipping through the air and beating the rest of the world. I just – It's nuts. it's, It's unreal. So give me your perspective, McKenna, when you look at – all four events, where did you see the most strength, the most success, and what areas still will need some fine tuning heading into Tokyo? You know, when you're looking at all four events, like like I talked about, USA is, they're such powerful gymnasts. I mean, we can vault and we can tumble all day long, but it takes a certain gymnast to be able to swing bars naturally and have that beautiful rhythm too, and, and work on the balance beam too. But we've got gymnasts like Kara Eaker and we've got bar swingers like Sunisa Lee. So it just kind of depends. And especially when you are competing against world-class athletes and international gymnasts, you're going to want to stack your odds according to, you know, who's, who's, who do they have swinging on bars? How, what, what are our best chances of coming out on top and meddling? Um, we have all the difficulty in the world. I think artistry-wise, we can improve. But because of the difficulty, I understand that that does sometimes kind of 
tend to compensate. You know, you're so focused on landing those difficult skills that you can't give your all during that dance part because you're so tired and you want to make sure that you're landing the difficulty at the end of the day. I, I get that. I mean, that was, I was a powerful gymnast too. So I didn't, unfortunately focus so much on the dance details as I should have. But, you know, there are some gymnasts. Morgan Hurd is a great example. She performs on the floor and can bring out the difficulty in the skills. It's, it is, it's beautiful. And it's, it's a salute to those that can balance all of it. And, you know, we did have those falls on the, on the balance beam, but I was looking through Twitter and I saw something, um, someone had said the girls kept seeing their shadows where, when they were on the beam. And I know from experience that can be terribly distracting. Um, I remember a couple of times, obviously not in the college level. I, I didn't do bars in college, but even at, in the club level, I would go to meets and if it was in a hotel setting, the lighting was super weird. And, um, you would go, you'd see yourself in a handstand on the bars on your shadow against the mat. It was, it's the most bizarre feeling and, and it's distracting. You get distracted. And especially with Hollywood lights up at, at the world championship, the way they set it up, that can be a problem. But the, again, those are the reasons that's why gymnastics is such a mental sport because you have to be able to adapt to those sorts of things. Absolutely. That is so interesting. I, you don't even think about those little changes. And like we've said, gymnastics is, is such a sport of habit. You know, you do the same things over and over and over to train your muscle memory. And so to change your environment, you have to adapt very quickly. So if you are used to spotting a particular thing in your practice gym, Absolutely. and then you go compete somewhere else, you have to find something totally different. Your surroundings yeah. and your peripheral vision is different. And that has such an impact on the sport. Now I want to go back yeah, to Simone for a second. Obviously we have to. Um, she has become the most decorated woman in gymnastics history after this World Gymnastics Championship there are no words for what <laughs> she is accomplishing. You know that you are respected in the sports world when LeBron James is tweeting about you. So right. the fact that she is accomplishing what she is at this point is will forever be mind-blowing. But she also stuck not one but two ridiculous moves that everyone was kind of anticipating seeing her perform the double double dismount on beam and the triple double on floor these are insane and you can speak on it more than i can when you think back to the most difficult skill that you have attempted or done and then you look at what she did and the way she executed both of these how amazing is it it, Simone continues to raise the bar and, and it's crazy because I, I often wonder, you know, when Simone retires, who's going to be able to step up and, and push the bar? That's what makes sports evolve. And she just is such a superhuman and is so advanced in her talents. I mean, she is the best thing that's happened to our sport. She's brought so much attention, so much popularity and so many more fans that aren't necessarily in the gymnastics community that can consider themselves fans now. And so Thank, I'm thankful. I think the whole gymnastics community is thankful for all her, her hard work and success. But you look at her difficulty and it's just, it's jaw dropping. I don't even have words. What's to say? I mean, she is truly the Michael Phelps of our sport. She is the LeBron James. She is just flat out the GOAT. Well, there was a little bit of controversy. Both Simone and USA Gymnastics expressed uh, some disappointment uh, at the points classification for her balance beam. The FIG Women's Technical Committee said the move was given a lower score in order to dissuade gymnasts from attempting uh, what they think could be potentially dangerous for gymnasts. 
How disappointing is that for an athlete like Simone, who is in a way being told to scale back her skill as to not impact other athletes? Oh, it's utterly stupid. It, the, the fact of the matter is gymnastics is supposed to be at your own risk. You perform skills that you're able to perform perform. And if Simone can do that, I don't see why there's a problem and why they, why they shouldn't give her the difficulty that, that it can do. That's, I mean, and then you think about that's a coach's job is to step in and say, Hey, you could work on this scale or, Hey, we're not going to, we have no business doing that skill. So, and the athlete, I'm pretty sure, especially at this level knows what she can and can't do and what she can do. She's going to focus on because obviously that's going to, those are going to be her strengths and you want to compete with success. I I don't see any gymnast putting themselves at risk if they know they're going to get hurt. Um, and it's, it is just, it, I can't imagine that it feels like a slap in the face to Simone for all of her hard work. FIG needs to go back and, and make some major proper changes. It's incredibly frustrating to feel like she can't even have ownership of her own skill. Like in no other sport could there be a negative implication on what an athlete can do because of the opinions of others. Like if you attempted to tell an NBA player that he shouldn't do a certain dunk because if someone else tries it, they may break their wrist, they would laugh in your face because no scores are going to be – like they're still going to get two points for that. You can't change the rules of the game. And – they will benefit from the skill that they have trained and worked hard to attain. So the fact that gymnastics has the ability to have any control over what these gymnasts are, are executing and executing well in Simone's case is very discouraging for athletes. And she tweeted, <laughs> she like retweeted the article and said, ha 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 BS. I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, and honestly, yeah. it's another reason that I love her because she is not going to sugarcoat the fact that there are aspects of this sport that are just unfair. That's the reality of it. It is a sport of perception and what one judge deems unsafe, another one may not. And yet she's going to feel the impact of both that it's just, that's an issue with the sport that is very difficult to overcome. Oh yeah. And what's not fair about it is there are two separate, I guess you could say, categories in gymnastics. There's the compulsory level and there's the optional level. You see the little bitty girls, the, the new gymnasts, the ones who are just starting competing, just learning just learning their skills, they're in the compulsory level. Everyone's doing the same basic routines to kind of create the foundation of their gymnastics. And then once you've passed the compulsory levels, you reach the what we call optional level. So this means you have options. And that's what makes gymnastics unique to each gymnast is they can do things that are some gymnasts are graceful and don't have as much power and they can do one one scale of gymnastics that maybe a powerful gymnast can't. That gives you options, hence optional gymnastics. So it's frustrating that Simone is taking advantage of what the sport is supposed to do for gymnasts and they're saying, no, sorry, we can't. That's too much. I mean, who's to say? If she can do it, I don't understand why it's a problem and why we're not rewarding it. You're absolutely right. She had quite the performance, scoring the highest individual points in vault, balance beam, and floor. So now 15 of her world medals are gold, which is also a record. At this point, Homegirl is going to need like a, a guest house to home all of her medals. A, a shelf is not going to do it anymore. Uh, <laughs> she really puts my, you know, little honorable mention trophies to shame. Oh my God. <laughs> There's just so much that you have to appreciate about this athlete. I also loved something she said in an interview after 
she was very candid. That's, that's part of what I love about her. She's very realistic about the highs and lows of this sport. And she said, Oh yeah. I, sometimes I hate the feeling when I go into competition and I feel like I want to throw up and I think to myself, why don't I quit? Like, why do I do this to myself? That is so flipping relatable in like multiple facets of life. But I have oh, yeah. to imagine in gymnastics, like you've experienced that thought before too. Oh, most Definitely. Most definitely. Stepping up to to the floor, waiting on the judge. I mean, they take their sweet time tallying up the person before you score and conversating over, you know, what points it to. I mean, you are nervous as can be, but I think it's kind of contradictory because you're nervous because you know you're prepared. You know, you, you step up there thinking to yourself, I've done this routine countless of times. I've hit it so well in practice, more than I've messed up. I want, I just, I want this to go so well because you're prepared, because you're ready. That's where the nerves come from. Just hoping that, you know, the lights don't get to you or the, the aura of competing and being in the moment gets to you. I think that's the trickiest part. But after the fact, I mean, you, you feel like a million bucks and you're so proud of yourself if it goes well. (laughs) That is. She did say that what they do love is the thrill of it. And that kind of makes all of those feelings worth it. Like the thrill of hitting that routine that you've worked so hard on. And for these girls walking away with the gold medal that you've dreamt of, it it makes those nauseous waves worth it. Certainly super proud of what this team did and how they represented the country. And you can only expect what their performance at Tokyo is going to be like after a world championships like this. So super exciting. Congratulations to Team USA. We're all super proud of what you accomplished. Now we're going to transition to NCAA. Like we said, we're going to talk about this new regionals format. From my side of things, interesting, um, the television world was really pushing for this to happen, and I'll explain why. So in the past, six teams would land in each regional site, which there were six of those. The top two from each regional went to NCAA. There were 12 teams that qualified for nationals. There were two semifinal rounds of six teams in each, and then the finals was Super Six. The difficulty in that, McKenna, you can speak on the aspect from the athlete's perspective, but for executing this in television, having six teams in a situation where there are four events became very, very difficult to execute. Keep in mind, all four events are going at the exact same time. So for our end of things, we had to predetermine what routines we were going to show Mm -hmm. based on which ones, you know, had been storylines that season or which schools by the end of the the meet or even the end of a rotation, we could kind of decide live which routine we were going to show based on which was going to have an implication on score. But heading into it, we really had to have a roadmap of what we were going to show. And, and you're taking a guess because you don't know what's actually going to be executed. Somebody who's been killing it on beam all year could fall in nationals. So it was very, very difficult. And then when you add in that each team gets a buy, it made the broadcast a lot longer. And for you guys, it made the meet a lot longer. So to have six when there are four apparatus and all going at the same time, it was very difficult. So 
I know colleagues at ESPN were very involved and very influential in the NCAA's um, official push to execute this new regional format, which now regionals take place over three days, starting with a play-in meet between the lowest two seeds. Um, and then each regional has four. And the top two from each session meet on Saturday in the finals with the two best finishers heading to nationals. So there were eight teams that qualified for nationals, two semifinal rounds of four teams in each, and then four on the floor. So no one gets a bye. Everything happens at the same time. There's someone on each apparatus, and the rotation is the exact same uh, as what you have in the regular season. So that was a lot of information. I hope all of you got that pretty well. But the execution from the television standpoint was so, so well done. And I think that's an interesting aspect of the change that, that maybe some people aren't aware of. And McKenna, you can talk about what that meant for the athletes. But from my perspective, I think this was a, a great change. I think it adds a, a feeling of March Madness-esque. Like it, it takes away the predictability that the national bracket started to become and, and adds a whole new level of competition. But it also allows us to execute showcasing the sport better, which the sport deserves to get it to the level uh, that, that it needs to have. That's crazy. I Obviously, being an athlete, being on the other side of things, I, I never even thought how hard it was for TV to scramble around and, and find those buy stations and find who's going up and, and who to keep track of. I didn't even think about that. But I do remember our coach telling us, like, you know, um, one of the reasons we are making this format is because – it is easier for TV and it's easier for fans to watch. You know, if you're not, if you're new to the gymnastics community, especially in the college world and say you, you're watching, I don't know, Nebraska at regionals and they're on bars and all of a sudden you don't see them. You're like, where'd they go? They're not in the competition. They're on a buy. You don't see them and the, and the fans get confused. So it's a lot easier for fans to follow as well. And especially for the athletes, it's so much easier for us. When you go from an event to a buy, there's so many distractions that can happen. Who knows? Maybe, um, Watching other teams is, is a huge one, you know, especially if you kind of know like who's who you're competing against, who's that who is that team we kind of have to push to and watch out for. Um, that's a distraction. Just even mentally letting yourself relax a little too much, it can be hard to get back in the groove of competition when that next event is up and you're ready to go. So overall, I think I think I can speak for all athletes when when I say that the buys were removed, I think it was a really great thing for for everyone, it sounds like. I think it's great too. And a long-term goal is to get all of postseason broadcasted on ESPN flat platforms. Whereas we've worked our way into having weekly um, regular season meets and the national championship is broadcasted very well. I read somewhere that it's actually going, hopefully, I don't know if it's official yet, but it will hopefully be broadcasted on ABC this year. So it is continually growing, but the long-term goal is for all the regionals to be broadcasted as well. So I think this helps with that goal too. And listen, the reality for the sport of gymnastics, the reality for any sport, television broadcasting and media coverage takes it to that next level. So for gymnastics, and I have loved being a part of a, a wonderful team of people that have that goal in mind to get gymnastics to that high platform. 
this is going to be part of it. So uh, it's a unique balance to appreciate the tradition of sport, the respect of the athletes is first and foremost, no one ever wants to put them in a compromising position. But if we could make some small changes in format that could lead to huge results for the growth of the sport. I think that's something that everybody can get on board with. And then from the competition aspect, like I said, it, it took away some of the redundancy that we started to see in postseason. You know, these regionals had kind of gotten to the point where you knew who was going to be there at nationals. Now only eight teams get to go instead of 12. So you have to fight harder regionals start to matter more because you're not guaranteed one of those 12 spots. It becomes very much more competitive. And as we saw last year, Florida fell out of the mix, a team that you always expect to be in the national ring. So from an athlete's perspective, what does that do for you, knowing that you cannot look past regionals and now where there were one of 12 spots in the final championship weekend, there's only eight. Yeah. And I think that makes it so much more competitive. I mean, I being at regionals and that being a three-day event, that that puts you in a better place going into national championship. You know, you go from competing once a week for, what, 11 weeks? Um, and then you have three back-to-back days. I mean, you're already, your body's already pretty beaten up at this point in the season. But to be able to train and, and keep your mind focused two, three days in a row of the regional competition, you know you're going to face that at nationals too. So it's a great setup. Um, and everyone's in the same position. Everyone's hurting. Everyone has to compete those back-to-back days. So, I mean, everyone's also in the same boat. I also like that that third day of regionals, um, you get to see teams you wouldn't normally see. You get to see those teams that don't usually make it to the national championships, and that's their end goal. So those little changes from regionals and then going into the national setting, it's just that's what makes competition so fun. And we, we talked about a couple times Florida not making it, and that that's not a team that – is good. That's a team that is great. And not only do they just go to the national championship and compete, they win. I mean, they were dominant for a good while there. So um, to be able to have upsets like that, that makes the sport that much more enjoyable. It's not predictable anymore. I totally agree with you. I think it makes postseason way more intense and competitive and fun to follow. And then from our side, we know that we will be able to execute the broadcast more effectively, show more of the athletes, um, and, and just really do it justice. So I love the change. I think a lot of the athletes and coaches and even those who maybe are, are unsure about it now, it's just because change is difficult. And in a sport, yeah. uh, you, you get very used to your routine and what you've trained for and adjusting to change it, is difficult. We see it even in football, the, the targeting rule. These guys have been trained how to tackle their entire lives. And then a couple of years ago, now they're being told a completely different thing. And if you don't execute this now, you'll be kicked out of the game. So mm-hmm. Change is difficult for athletes, and and that should be respected for anyone that has had a tough time with the change. But long term, I think there are a ton of benefits to this new format, and and we're going to continue to see it uh, pay dividends for the sport. So really excited to get college season going in January and and see who makes it to that point of the season. I know. I can't wait for it either. It, it's weird being on the other side of it. I don't think it's hit me yet, but it's always so fun to see that freshman, you know, those freshman classes stepping up and seeing how they're able to, to help out the team and benefits. And 
um, you know, it totally changes the dynamics of the team, especially, you know, every, every class is moving up one. So um, you get to see the leadership, how that shifts, the culture, does that change? What do we do? So it's, it's super exciting to be able to um, see fresh new teams and, and see what they can, what they can compete. Yeah, absolutely. It's a clean slate. You take some of the momentum from last year, but each year is, is a whole new ball game. So uh, it's, it's always exciting to absolutely. look toward. Well, that's all we've got for you today. We always appreciate you guys listening to us here on Chalk Talk. We love talking all things gymnastics with you. So be sure and subscribe. Leave us a comment. Shoot us a DM if you have any questions or topics you want us to cover. We're going to continue to make this thing bigger and better. We're going to start getting some interviews for you. Make sure we're bringing in more perspective and, and covering the sport as well as we possibly can. So thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.